Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noel, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Anji Aki, you are yes. the owner and founder of OhanaInvestmentPartners.com, and welcome to Listening with Leaders. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Doug. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so let's start with your kind of your personal journey. What? How do you get to where you are today with a very interesting business model and from where you started? Um, a long and windy road, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and I'm still going down the path, right? Um, but long story short, I um, I started my career in sales and worked in corporate America for over 18 years. The vast majority of that time was spent in pharmaceutical sales. I called on hospital systems throughout uh, Florida. I'm based in Orlando, Florida. And um, I did that for a while. And quite frankly, there's uh, really great money to be made in it. And I did very well at it. And I had zero passion for it and uh, decided that I wanted to do something else. And um, a, a year or so before I had uncovered real estate investing, I knew I didn't want to be a realtor. Um, I respect everything they do. It just wasn't for me. And um, so I stumbled upon real estate investing and uh, started wholesaling single family houses. And for those of you that don't know that, it's simply getting a property under contract and uh, finding a buyer and assigning the contract to an end buyer. And in essence, you get the margins to that uh, between that. Um, so I did. I decided, I did that for a little bit, let me rewind. And then I decided to leave corporate America in July of 2019. And quite frankly, I've never looked back. Someone asked me the other day if I missed anything. And I said, no, I keep trying to find something and there's nothing, I missed nothing about it. Um, I really appreciate the time I had in corporate America. It really set me up for success um, in the role that I'm in now. Um, and I'll get there in just a minute, but I do appreciate that time. I just didn't know entrepreneurship was an option. And um, it, it answered a lot of questions when I figured that out. And that was why I was always like, why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense. This isn't the right way, right? Um, I was an entrepreneur at heart and had no idea. Uh, so I started wholesaling real estate and did that for a while. And fast forward to the end of 2021, I realized I had created a business that I did very well and it more than replaced my income and I didn't like it and I didn't want to do it. So I tore it down. I closed it and started Ohana Investment Partners. So um, because just before I had uncovered commercial real estate investing, and fell in love with commercial real estate investing. It's very um, finance and numbers driven. And I decided I had done some passive investing and private lending and real estate investing and decided to merge the two. And so now I help people passively invest in real estate uh, through real estate syndications. And so you can truly own or be a partial owner of a commercial 
asset, like in a permit building and do none of the work and get a lot of the benefits. And that's what I help people do now. So do people buy into particular projects or do they, they put money with you and then you, you buy stuff or, and I'm, and I'm wondering what kind of securities law problems you can yeah. work with. In yeah. That. yeah. So it's all, it's under the SEC umbrella. So yeah. everything is done uh, through a, pli- a private placement memorandum. Okay. So most syndications, um, and it depends on how they're set up. Uh, so the investors are making the decisions on their own as to what they are purchasing if they're investing in directly into the syndication, where it's called a SPV. So that's what one specific vehicle. So typically they know exactly what they're investing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only caveat to that is sometimes if investors are investing into a fund, then they may not know the exact asset itself, but may know the asset class or type. So for instance, um, one of the funds we have this year is a short-term rental fund. So people really love Airbnbs and short-term rentals. Uh, quite frankly, there are a lot of work to manage if you're an active manager. So this allows investors to invest in them passively and still get a lot of the benefits. Um, and then the team does the work. But so the investors know that they're investing in short-term rentals, but don't know, right? So they're not part of, hey, do we buy this one in, in Scottsdale? Up. Yeah, the fund owns the properties and manages the properties. And then the investor just gets the, the income stream off that, less, of course, expenses and fees and all that sort of thing. Yes. And then otherwise, they're investing. Uh, for instance, we had an offering last year. It was a three asset portfolio, and they knew exactly what they were investing in. So um, we had one recently, too. It was a multifamily in Phoenix. And so they knew the exact asset. Um, we even drilled down to, hey, this is the debt service. This is the business plan. Um, this is what we're looking at. Obviously, this is the whole time projected returns. But you know a lot about what you're getting into, uh, what the business plan is, which is really important. And the sponsor team, too. You need to know who you're working with. Right. I've never heard of this business model before. It's just something. Really? That, no, well, I mean, I've heard it on a, at, a, a, at a scale, you know, large scale. But... Um, I really, ha- I don't think I've ever heard, and I thought I knew everything. <laughs> well, hey. So basically, a person with money will come to you and say, "I want to, I want to diversify my portfolio into real estate," and then can put the money with you, and then they can make a choice whether it's in a fund or they're, whether they're part of a syndicate that owns a specific property. They, that then I presume your your team manages. Well, yeah. and I'm I'm not. They're not really putting the money with me, if that right. makes sense, because I'm not an investment advisor. So let me be clear: that is not my role. Right. My role is to almost, if you think of it, like uh, matchmaking, right? So right. my role is to uh, help investors connect with offerings and opportunities that we have, whether it be a fund or a specific syndication. And you so, yeah, go ahead. You create the funds and syndications. That's what you do. Yeah. So and yeah. then people can come and invest, you know, their choice about what to do. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Well, and this is work that you you really I can see you're really excited about it. I I, I am. I love it. Uh, you know, real estate is one of the greatest wealth builders in our country. Mm-hmm. And so it it can also feel really overwhelming because there's so many different things you can invest in. There's so many different, right. And then there's also, there's risks, right. If you don't know what you're doing or don't have a lot of experience, you're probably not going to go buy a $60 million apartment complex. Right. No. But, 
Because but you don't have the expertise to even be begin to think about even managing something like that. Exactly. But you can take fifty or a hundred thousand dollars or whatever the the minimum is or above, and say, you know, I would like to have an equity share in essence in this asset because you're you're investing into an LLC. Right. So you're investing as a limited partner or an LP into an LLC. I see. So if you think of it like that, it yeah, kind that of breaks, yep, it breaks it down. So in essence, you're um, almost like a business partner. Right. And then and then you take on the role as the general partner or the managing partner and run the business and you get a fee for that. And after expenses, the money is distributed out to the whatever the income stream is, is distributed out pro rata to the to the other partners. Exactly. So it sounds like you've heard of this. Uh, now <laughs> Just, it's a different what, model, what you, right? Yeah, now I get it. I mean, and and what you do is you create the opportunities and then people can come and invest in them. 100%. Yes. So right. I function either as a one of the GPs or a fund manager. Right. Got it. One of those things. All right. Now I understand now. Interesting. Um, so what is it that you think is unique that you bring to the table that makes all of this so successful? Uh, I would say I um, like to think I'm a very approachable person and very easygoing person. So with the, right, we talked about real estate investing being overwhelming for some people. I want people to, to sit down to understand it. I want to understand your investing goals. I want to help you understand, you know, if we're looking at an IRR or internal rate of return or an equity multiple, what does that mean? And what does that mean to you? So really, it's the approachability of it and taking the overwhelm out of real estate investing so that it is accessible mm -hmm. to as many people as possible. And I say as many people as possible because it may not be, you know, available to everyone, right? If, if you call me and you have $500, you know, maybe, maybe a REIT's a better option for you. And that's okay. I have no problem saying that. But it's, it's a great way to be able to grow your wealth and to make money while you're sleeping and be able to do what you love or what you want to do, whether that's working another job, staying home with the kids or putting your feet up at the beach, doesn't matter, right? You can still make money through real estate investing. So really it's bringing that accessibility to families. And I'm a big uh, believer in the ripple effect. So my goal is to help families grow their wealth and that money hopefully will go to good causes and help people in other communities, right? And it really can have a positive effect in the community, in other families, in the world. So I presume that the the for the investor, two two ways of increasing wealth. One, there there is a potential income stream if it's a commercial property, and and two, you're going to of course have appreciation, and so yeah. you, you get the pro rata appreciation of the property. How long? How long how long does uh, do you typically hold on to these properties? Do you are, are, is it indefinite or do you liquid liquidate when you think that the market's right? No, so um, every answer I will give you about different syndications is it depends, right? It of depends course. on the syndication <laughs> and it depends on the offering. Uh, I would say on average, you're looking at five years. Sometimes it's shorter. Um, you know, we've done some uh, work with land entitlements and developments that may be shorter, but I, I would say on average, five years is a good uh, round number. Sometimes they're longer. Um, There's some mobile home parks um, and or funds that may hold for 10 years, but that's all in the subscription documents or the right. private placement memorandum. So to your point, there are copious amount of legal docs, right? Um, for this transaction. You, you, um, yes. 
You, yeah. Your lawyers are your best friends. <laughs> they are. You know, I never thought I'd be surrounded by so many attorneys, but I really appreciate them. Um, so, yeah, and that protects me and it also protects our investors, which is really important as well. Right. Uh, but, yeah, the whole time's about about five years. And you do, to your point, you get the uh, the cash flow and then the equity on the back end. Um, so you, you get that typically at sale or refinance. And then you do, there are tax benefits. So you do get uh, depreciation, um, bonus depreciation through cost segregation for 80%, right? Bonus depreciation right now, that's kind of phasing out. Um, hopefully it won't phase totally out. So we'll see. Um, but there are there are a lot of benefits uh, to investors just beyond the cash flows and the equity. So right. thank you for, for pointing that out. And I tell a lot of the, the physicians that we work with too, you know, the conversation I have sometimes is, oh, yeah, my my CPA or my financial advisor told me I need to spend money. I need to spend money. I need to spend money. I'm like, and they're like, we don't need anything else for our practice. You know, a great way to, quote unquote, spend money is through a real estate syndication because you do get you do get tax benefits um, and you do get your growing your wealth. Right. You're right. So you get the you, you, you get the depreciation, which is great. But what people don't realize is when the property is sold, there's recapture. <laughs> so so you, you, you're going to you can short term, you can get a short term tax break, but you're going to pay Uncle Sam eventually. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, Uncle Sam gets always gets his dollar. Right. It's going to it's going to happen in everything you do. Yeah. Well, what kind of people invest with you? Um, a lot of different people. So, um, because I came from the pharmaceutical world, I work with a lot of physicians and healthcare providers, um, dentists. I work with a lot of, I host a, a female meetup group. I have a lot of women, um, that invest because it's, uh, I don't know, again, the approachability, right. They're really comfortable. Yeah. People work with people they know, like, and trust, right. um, and that they can easily communicate with. So I have a lot of women, I have a lot of people within my local network here too, that, that have just met me, um, you know, locally that have said, Hey, I'm interested in investing a lot of people in my circle. And now I have a lot of people just coming in, honestly, through social media, through uh, Facebook presence, through podcasts and things like that. Wow. And are you, are your, are your people from all over the United States? They are, they are all over the U S which I love. It's, it's a lot of fun. And it sounds like your investments are pretty much all over the United States too. I mean, you're not locally, you're not just focused on Florida investing. I am not just focused on Florida investing, but our, so within Ohana Investment Partners, we focus on investments within the, or offerings within the Southeast United States and the Sunbelt States. Because that's the, that's the area that you know the best. That is what I know the best. And if you follow the migration patterns in the United States, right. They all lead to the Southeast and the Sunbelt states, um, as well as a lot of employers are flooding those areas as well. So that's just a way we look at different ways that we can provide risk mitigation for investors. And that's investing where there's population growth and where employers are. You've, you've, you've learned a lot, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I like to jump into things with two feet and, and, and sink or swim. So that's how I run my life. I, I love it. Um, and I love what I do. I get to talk to people and I host networking events and, right. you know, so I'm able to build, that's why I chose the name Ohana. I'm able to build a family and a community. And because I, I do believe that we can do so much more when we do things together. Absolutely. How big is your organization in terms of number of employees? 
You're looking at her and I have an assistant. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, but I'm working with, you have to remember, so I'm also working with teams. So I work with specific sponsor teams and other general partners. So we'll partner our businesses together. Um, so when we're, so when, right, if you're looking at, we had something uh, last year in South Carolina. And so I'm partnering with some of the operators there. Um, so it's not, it's not just, it's not me running all of these assets. I just want to clarify. You'll, 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 you'll provide funding. You'll provide the money, for, part of the money for them for, for, for a piece of the action for your clients. And also asset management. And there's, there's a laundry list of things that I do, but yes, we partner together. Mm -hmm. Wow. So just as a one woman shop, that keeps you pretty busy. I think it keeps me really busy. <laughs> I was going to say it sounds overwhelming. It keeps me busy, but it's fun. I love it. And then I, um, kind of stumbled upon, um, ERC and employee retention credits this year. And now I'm helping small businesses with that because it's all a way, right? So my job and my goal is to help people access money and wealth that they did not know was available to them, whether that's through commercial real estate investing through syndications or saying, oh, hey, by the way, I, I didn't know I could qualify for the employee retention credit or I didn't know, like I didn't know anyone I trusted right? And stuff like that. So, so that's my goal. It keeps me busy, but I love what I do. And, you know, it's one of those things, right? It, I, I forget the saying, but it's not a day of work if you love what you do. That's right. That's yeah. exactly, that's exactly my life. I love what I do. Yeah. Um, so this show is called Listing with Leaders, and I want to explore that with you. So how in your business, even though you're a solopreneur, how, how important is listing to what you do every day? Listening is critical. And remember, I've been in sales for over 20 years. So it's right. Sales 101 is you should be listening 80% of the time on a sales call or anytime. And when people I met with someone today um, and she's joining my team in another capacity, but she's like, you know, I'm not really a salesperson. I'm like, but you are. She's like, I'm a value person and a marketing person. I'm like, that's sales, right? You should be bringing value. But in sales and everything you do, you should be listening 80% of the time. Um, so listening is critical. Listening is critical when I'm talking to my investors and understanding what their investing goals are, understanding where the funds are coming from, understanding how they qualify for investments. Are they an accredited investor? Are they a non-accredited investor? Um, you know, there's, there's so much that goes into it. And listening is really, really important. And, and when you're listening to people, how do you keep yourself from getting distracted or bored? When you're listening? Yeah. I take notes a lot. It helps me. It's the way that I learn also. So I have a notebook. I'm old school. So I don't, um, and I will have a notebook. And I usually, even if it's on Zoom or something, I'll hold up my, my notebook and let people know, hey, I'm a note taker. Just so you know, I, I don't want you to think I'm texting on the side or anything right. like that. Right. Um, but it helps me learn. It helps me capture the information and it gives me a reference point to go back. So my notebook, I have this weird mind. It's like a file folder. So we will have this conversation and I'll think back and I'll know who I spoke with before you and after you. So I'll be able to find you in my notebook pretty easily. So I can refer back to that and reference that during our next conversation or as follow up or something like that. 
how do you deal with how do you deal with the messiness in life when <laughs> things get messy? What do you do? Things always get messy, right? Life is messy. Um, it doesn't have to be, but it is for most people. I mean, it, it does sometimes, right? Um, so for me, I am a woman of faith. I spend a lot of time in prayer, uh, meditation. And so typically my default is prayer when things get crazy. And I will try to take a minute too and get outside. Thankfully, I'm in Florida, so I can get outside almost every day, right? No matter, we pretty good weather year round. I may sweat a lot, but I can be outside. And that really it just relaxes my mind almost. So there are a lot of health, health benefits to that. I've also I started trying to meditate a little bit more. And my morning routine is the foundation of everything I do every day. So if I miss that, my day is jacked up. <laughs> so I really try not, I really try not to miss that. That's really critical. And, and that helps prevent the messiness or helps me deal with anything that comes up that does get messy and in a really positive and proactive way. Right. So, so it's, you're, you, you are really big on self-care, taking care of yourself. I am. Sometimes I, sometimes I lose, lose myself and forget. Yes. Like we all do. Right. Um, but yes, I am a big, I'm a big self-care person. I, I exercise six days a week. I do my morning routine. Um, I probably could go to the spa a little bit more, or, you know, I was taking Fridays off and that kind of get lost. So I need to get back to that. But yes, I'm a big self-care person because it is so true. You cannot help other people unless you've helped yourself, right? You got to put the oxygen mask on you first and then you can help others. That's exactly right. And, and there's so many leaders out there who lose sight of that. And they think that they've got to drive themselves, you know, 18 hour days, seven days a week to do their job. And they're not helping anybody and they're hurting themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And people are watching. I mean, people are watching and it's, right. it, it's also breaking that, that conversation of, Oh, how are you? Oh, I'm so busy. Right. Like, that's not, not a great thing. Like, yes. Are we busy? Yes. But you know, wouldn't it be nice? Like I had a, I had a great day. How are you? I had a great day. Right. And let me tell you about my day. Right. Rather than measuring our worth by how busy we are, and that's right. something as a society, hopefully we will hopefully get away from. Well, it's tough. I mean, the, the, I, I think we're going through a sea change right now. I mean, I, maybe I'm being over, overly optimistic, having been around for a long time. But the, as I have these conversations with smart, successful people like you, um, I'm getting a sense that the people who are really succeeding in business are the ones who are finding balance and they're finding balance everywhere. It's DEI, it's, it's work-life balance, it's self-care, it's empathy. I mean, the whole idea of command and control and top-down leadership is, I think it's a dinosaur and more and more people are recognizing that. And the smart people are moving away from that mentality to a more holistic lifestyle. Which it sounds like it sounds like it defines you pretty well. I mean, because you were in the corporate world for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it was completely different. Now, when you work for yourself and you can take care of yourself, life is completely different. Right. And then too, it's taking care of right us and then other people. I'm rereading Intentional Living um, by John Maxwell. So I went through the John Maxwell training and certification. I love him. He's, he's great. Um, and so I'm rereading intentional living 
because it, it just helps, right? It's like, what are you giving? How, what impact are you having? Are you intentional in your day? And that's a great, honestly, that's a great way to balance and self-care too, because the intrinsic reward you get is amazing just by knowing you're, you're helping someone else and you're bringing them along with you or serving them in a way, maybe that doesn't even serve you. Right. And you're just, you're just giving it. That's right. It is, um, the, the most monumental thing I've, I've done in my life so far is start with uh, the Prison of Peace Project with my colleague, Laurel Coffer. And we, for the last 12 years, have been going into maximum security prisons, training lifers and long-termers how to become peacemakers and mediators to stop prison violence. And there's a perfect example of how giving to others and serving, especially a population of people in prison, is some of the most satisfying, fulfilling work I've ever done. Difficult, yes, but it makes my day. All I have to do is think about it, and I just start to smile when I think about all the lives that I've touched in, in such positive ways. And that's I think that's what, that's what you're talking about. It is exactly what I'm talking about, and it's, it's worth more than money, right? You 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 can't you can't put a price on it. I mean, that's why I left the practice of law 23 years ago. It's because, like you, I was made a lot of money, but it was it was so soulless soulless work right yeah yeah decided to become a peacemaker and that is not soulless work that is the depth of soul when you're helping people teaching people how to stop conflicts fights and arguments forever which i do i teach people how to do that and then my students never fight or argue about anything and and then going in and helping people solve problems that they can't solve on their own and then somehow you can still eat right at the end of the day you still have food on your table yeah. And you still have to see but how that works. I don't chase the dollar. Uh, you know, I live very comfortably. I, I live I live in Central California, south of Yosemite National Park on 10 acres. And I used to have the big car and the big house and the big of this and the big of that. I don't need it. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, I was joking around with someone the other day. We were joking around about cars or, or something. I was like, listen, I'm a proud Camry owner. Like I, I'm <laughs> I'm good in my Camry. I don't need anything fancy. My husband drives a Subaru. Um, you know, it's like their cars, they get us somewhere. I would rather, you know, make an impact, retire early, do anything. I don't, I don't care about cars, right? Right. So, right. So. I, I'm with you. I've, I've got a 2013 Subaru with 184,000 miles on it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So what does your husband think about your work? Um, he is my biggest cheerleader. Uh -huh. uh, he is, you know, it, it's amazing to me too, because I often have people come up and say, Hey, is this, um, you know, you're in your husband's business. And I'm like, listen, I love my husband and he's my biggest cheerleader, but he is not, he does not have an interest in real estate investing. We are invested in real estate, but I, I handle that. Right. So, um, he, he loves what I do. He is my biggest cheerleader and, you know, quite frankly, it's been a really great partnership because without, without him in so many capacities, I wouldn't have had, had the courage or the ability to leave my corporate job. Mm -hmm. Even though I did replace my income, um, you know, I, I had that just in case. Um, but, but, you know, he's my biggest supporter and it's so great to, to come home and to share my events with him every day. And, you know, tell him what I'm doing. And he's left me some of the nicest notes and said some of the nicest things to me. And, um, you know, 
hopefully I'm inspiring other people. I know he says I inspire him and I'm, you know, a great leader in our family, which is important. And, you know, hopefully my, my son is watching. I know people say he is every second, right? right? So hopefully my son is watching because I would love for him to lead a very intentional life and have a positive impact on people in whatever capacity he wants that to look like. You, you've, uh, Angie, you've been through a lot. I mean, you've done a lot. What would you say, what advice would you give to a young person, say, coming right out of college? What would you say to them about how, how to plan, their, how to work their, I'm not going to say plan their career, but work their career? I would say own your dream. So, and I promise I'm not plugging John Maxwell, although he's amazing. There's a book, I forget the name of it, Own Your Dream or something like that, or Put Your Dream to the Test, I think it is. But it talks about owning your dream. And I did not realize that I was living someone else's dream until I realized entrepreneurship was an option for me and made the choice to take that leap of faith. So really, if you're listening to this and you're at the beginning of your career, or heck, if you're well into your career, because I turned my life on its head at the age of 40, but make sure you're living your dream life and own your dream because we have one shot and that's it. We don't get a redo. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. We're at the end of our 30 minutes. I know you've got to go. And I really appreciate the fact that we were able to connect today, Angie. Thank you so much. Me too. Thanks so much, Doug. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.com. Doug Noll, D-O-U-G-N-O-L-L dot com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listening with leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Knoll. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.